Hi, um, as Flo has said, my name is Kate. I've been coming to HTC for a little over four months now. The first time I decided to come was because my sister and I had always been given the choice of what we wanted to believe in and whether we wanted to be religious or not, and I wanted to explore Christianity further. I remember the sermon in the first church service I came to was given by Sarah Slater and was called New Friendships. I feel like the title of that sermon encompasses everything I've felt in the past four months in the new friendships I have made with the congregation and the friendship I now feel with God. It also very aptly brings me to the topic of my sermon today. Over the past term in YF and Pathfinders, we've looked at a series called Through the Fire, looking at friendships and the way in which they add to our lives and how we can add to the lives of our friends too. I'm going to explore three significant biblical friendships and the values that they had. My hope is that you, take, you will take these, in these values and incorporate them into your own friendships so that we can see the difference that following Jesus makes to our relationships with others. So the first value we will look at is the way in which friends, friends stand up for us. The most evident example of this is in the, in the Bible is the friendship of David and Jonathan, found in 1 Samuel chapters 18 to 20. Jonathan was the son of King Saul, and David, having just defeated Goliath, had risen in popularity. Jonathan loved David immensely. In verse 3 of 1 Samuel chapter 18, it says that he loved him as he loved himself. However, an evil spirit came upon Saul, and he vowed that he would kill David, as he had grown to be jealous of David and his popularity, as it threatened his and his son's claims to the throne. However, Jonathan's friendship with David only grew stronger, with Jonathan helping David instead of his father in warning David of his father's plans and by urging his father not to kill him, asking, why then would you do wrong to an innocent man like David by killing him for no reason? In helping David, Jonathan put his own life in danger when he narrowly escaped death at the hands of his father, when he threw his spear at him out of anger for urging him not to kill David. Jonathan risked his life again by travelling a great distance to visit David, who was in hiding, even though he knew that his father must have spies in hiding along the way. Even when he knew that David would ascend to the throne rather than him, Jonathan still stood by his friend. Instead of starting up a rivalry with David, who should have been considered his competition, he not only accepted the plan that God had made for David, but became best friends with him. This was, evident, this was evidence of the loyalty that Jonathan showed not only to David, but to God as well. Likewise, in return, David became best friends with the man who should have been considered his rival. It would also have been very easy for David to kill Saul, but when presented with the opportunity, he remembered his covenant with Jonathan. But show me unfailing kindness like the Lord's kindness as long as I live, and do not ever cut off your kindness from my family. And refrain from killing Saul. Showing the love that he had for his friend. The story of David and Jonathan's friendship shows that, the friendship require, that friendship requires self-sacrifice. I'm not saying that you should all go out of here and start up family conflicts and put your lives on the line, but that we should all go out of here and self-sacrifice by giving up our time to help a friend, or by being there for a friend when no one else is. David and Jonathan's friendship also shows that friendship requires loyalty and real commitment. We should be standing up for and standing with our friends in the way that David and Jonathan stood up for each other. This brings me to my second value of friendship, the way in which friends stand by us. This is evident in the story of Ruth and Naomi, found in Ruth chapters 1 to 2. Naomi lived in Bethlehem with her husband Elimelech. I know how to say Elimelech because Holly made us say it with her out loud about 12 times until we could all pronounce it. 
However, when famine hit Bethlehem, they decided they had to move to Moab with their sons in order to find food. There they stayed for many years, and Naomi's sons both married Moabite women, Ruth and Orpah. Then Elimelech died, followed by his two sons, leaving Naomi, Ruth, and Orpah widowed. Naomi heard word that the famine had ended in Bethlehem, so decided to return home. Ruth and Orpah insisted they wanted to stay with Naomi in Moab, but Naomi urged them to stay and find new husbands. Um, While Orpah returned home to her mother, Ruth clung to Naomi and told her that she would stay with her and Naomi's God and people would be her God and people. Ruth and Naomi therefore returned to Bethlehem, where Ruth began working in a barley field. The owner of the field, Boaz, spoke to Ruth and told her not to go to work in the field, but to stay with the other servant girls and that he would keep her safe and provide her with food and drink if she needed it. Ruth asked why he was being so nice to her, and he replied that he had heard of her selfless deed for Naomi, and that the Lord was rewarding her for her kindness. This story shows us that a good friendship takes a long time to build, and that God gives us friends when we need them, and we should treat them as gifts of God, with respect, love, and kindness. Naomi could have insisted that Ruth and Orpah stay with her, but unselfishly, she wanted them to be with their families, and in return, Ruth selflessly wanted to help Naomi. So she moved away from everything and everyone she knew and went to work to help Naomi. So the main messages of this story is that we should stand by our friend not only in the good times but in the bad times and that by being selfless to others we will be rewarded by God. My third and final value of friendship we will explore is the way in which friends can challenge us. This is shown by the friendship of David and Nathan found in 2 Samuel chapters 11 to 12. David's troops were at war, but David had stayed behind in Jerusalem. One day, when he was walking along the roof of his palace, he noticed a beautiful woman named Bathsheba bathing below. She was the wife of Uriah, one of David's soldiers. David committed adultery with Bathsheba, and she became pregnant. When Uriah refused to return to his wife and sleep in the luxury of his own house as his troops were camping in the open, David ordered him to be sent into battle on the front line, where the fighting was heaviest and that those around him would retreat so that Uriah would be killed, so that he could not deny that Bathsheba's child was his. David's plan was successful, and Uriah was killed. David then took Bathsheba as his wife. God was not happy with David's actions, so sent the prophet Nathan to tell him this parable. There were once two men in a town, a rich man and a poor man. The rich man had many sheep and cattle, whereas the poor man only had one little lamb. The poor man had nurtured the lamb as if it was his child. It shared his food, drank from his cup, and slept in his arms. However, the rich man stole the poor man's lamb when he needed to provide food for a traveller because he did not want to kill one of his own flock, even though he had plenty of sheep and cattle of his own. David became outraged at this story and declared that the rich man deserved to die due to his unrighteousness and selfishness. Nathan replied, "'You are the man.'" Nathan continued to challenge David, explaining that God had given him the throne and provided him with everything he could possibly want, but that he had repaid this kindness by committing adultery and arranging the death of Uriah. As a punishment, David and Bathsheba's son died, and David's descendants would suffer public humiliation in the future. However, God forgave David and did not kill him. In this story, Nathan was sent by God to illustrate to David what he had done wrong and to challenge his actions, and by doing so, he made David a better person. 
This shows that friends may challenge us, but they only do this in order to make us better people. And we too should challenge them in order to change their lives for the better. So what happens when our friendships get put through fire? Let's take metal as an example. Fire allows for metal to be fused, purified and strengthened. When heat and a force is applied to metal, it can be melted and then forged together. Forging at high temperatures increases the plasticity of the metal, meaning the the metal can be easily melted down and fused to another piece of metal. There is no other way to fuse steel together than to put it through fire. Heat treatment is the only process that can be used to strengthen steel. It involves reheating hardened steel to a specific temperature and holding holding it there for a short time before cooling. This process increases the toughness of the steel, making it stronger and less brittle. If we look at gold, it does not exist in nature in the same form that it is in the jewellery we wear. It is often found as grains or flakes in rocks. Once the gold is excavated from the rock, it contains many impurities such as copper and zinc. Therefore, in order to purify this gold, we use fire. The gold is placed in borax which can withstand a furnace that produces a heat of over 1,000 degrees Celsius. The gold is then heated until smooth before it is allowed to cool. Once cool, the gold that remains is free of those impurities. We as humans are similar to that unrefined gold, and God similar to the refiner. The sacrifice of God's Son to reconcile our relationship with God shows how much he loves and values us. God sees us not full of impurity, but full of potential beauty. A refiner knows that the process is done when he looks into the gold and sees his clear reflection. Our lives are a process of God applying heat to reveal our impurities, our weaknesses, as we are day by day transformed into his likeness. This process ends when we meet Jesus face to face and he looks into our faces and sees his clear reflection. So what will you do when your friendships come across its metaphorical metaphorical fire? Whether it is tough times at home for one of you, stress at school or in the workplace, or the loss of someone close to either one of you. Whatever the fire, will you, let it overcome, will, um, will you let it overcome you or will you use it to fuse your friendship together, like Jonathan did with David, to purify your friendship like Nathan and David or to strengthen your friendship like Ruth did with Naomi? A real friendship is one where you do not shy away from the flames but push each other through them. In Genesis chapter 2, God says, It is not okay for a man to be alone. He is not only talking about how Adam needs Eve, but also about how as human beings we need each other and that we are made for friendship. God demonstrated this the most through the friendship he gave us in Jesus. He sent Jesus down to us as one of those human beings who needed each other and needed those friendships. As I mentioned, I have been on a four-month journey into my relationship with God. On the first day of Soul Survivor at the evening main meeting, they did an altar call for people who wanted to follow God, and to me, it felt like the perfect time to respond. So on the 24th of August, I chose to become a Christian. The moment you become a Christian, you not only choose to follow God, but to enter into a friendship with him. God's love is overwhelming and everlasting. We are loved by him, and we love him in return. He supports us, and he guides us, just as the best friends do. Amen.